welcome to the preaching ministry of the Agape Baptist Church in George, South Africa. We're just going to read together this morning from Colossians 1 before the message. We'll start in verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption through the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, or all, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all, full, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You want to turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're back in this passage this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Our focus this morning as we look at the, the topic of the mystery of his will. As we've worked through uh, these first few verses in chapter 1, We've been lifted up to what Paul called the heavenlies or the heavenly places. We've been able to see from God's perspective what he has planned for us even before creation. And that what we've received, we've received in Christ Jesus, our Redeemer. Paul says that these blessings have been poured out on us according to the riches of his grace. And he adds that, this grace, grace is lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, as we saw last time. And in, in wisdom and insight, God enables us to see and perceive things that he has revealed to us. You could say we've been given the, the big picture of God's perspective of what he's doing. And so, as we think about that, we'll see this morning from this passage exactly that, as God, in giving wisdom and insight to us, allows us to see the big picture. I read an illustration uh, I thought I'd share with you about three men hiking through the forest. And they came to this large, raging river, and they, needing to get to the other side, the one man prayed, God, please give me strength to cross the river. And poof, God gives him strong arms and strong legs, and he's able to swim across the river, but with great difficulty and almost drowning, it took me about two hours to get across. Well, the second man, uh, seeing what happened, uh, prayed this way, God, please give me strength and the tools to cross the river. And poof, God gives him strong arms and strong legs and a, a rowboat uh, to get across. And so he works diligently and with great difficulty, almost capsizing, he gets the other side about an hour later. Well, <clears throat> seeing what happened to the first two men, the third man prays, God, please give me strength and the tools and the insight to cross the river. And poof, God turns him into a woman. <laughs> And so she looks around and finds uh, some other hikers and asks for directions. <laughs> and she hikes one, 
kilometer upstream and crosses the bridge <laughs> to the other side. <laughs> well, that's a funny uh, re reality sometimes that um, men don't like to ask for directions, but uh, the point is the insight into the bigger picture of what, um, uh, of what we have in God's plan. And that, uh, in little ways, in our world, having the big picture can make a difference about what we do, how we live, decisions we make. But how much bigger uh, difference does it make to be able to have insight into God's plan and what He's doing in the world and in our lives? And that makes a huge difference. Well, in verses 9 and 10, Paul is going to explain what he has in mind when he says that we've been blessed with wisdom and insight. We saw from last time. In these verses, we have a statement of God's eternal purpose for the universe. So we're looking at a big picture of what God's doing uh, in, in history. Let's look at this passage again, Ephesians, and I'll begin there in verse 7. If you have your <clears throat> Bibles open, also the text there for you. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. In Him, again referring to Christ, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth. So don't miss what Paul is saying here. Believers have been taken into the secret counsels of the Almighty to be able to see the mystery of his will. And that's the... That's the title this morning of the, of the message. I believe that's the, the theme of the passage, the mystery of his will. And in Paul's day, there were these so-called mystery religions. And in this secular world, the Greek meaning of this mysterion or, or mystery, is it referred to uh, secret ceremonies and practices of those that were initiated into these uh, mystery religions. And so Paul uh, takes this word and uses it for God's purposes. But in the, in the context, and in contrary to the secular use of this, world, this word, mystery in the New Testament is not mysterious or mystical, but describes truths that were previously hidden, not understood, but are now being revealed by God. And as in our text, it is revelation about God's Purpose, his eternal uh, plan uh, for which affects us. It's, it's connected to what Christ is doing through Christ. In this context, we see again uh, God placing this emphasis upon uh, Christ and what He's accomplishing through Christ. God's eternal plans concerning Christ and our redemption were not uh, really understood in the Old Testament, regardless of what uh, some try to read into the Old Testament about those believers' understanding of, of Christ or the Messiah. Really, they, they had shadows, they had types, they had prophecy, but even the prophets themselves could not comprehend the things that God was revealing to the extent 
of Christ coming, this Messiah coming as the God-man, uh, of him uh, being the Lamb of God die for us so that we could be forgiven, dying in our place, uh, the very Son of God so that we could become sons of God. These were mysteries, although alluded to, foreseen in, in types and shadows, they were um, things that were not yet revealed. And so with the coming of Christ, we see the Lord Jesus Christ revealing to us uh, these truths. And, and still before his death, we're still not fully comprehended. Uh, and, and so we see God gradually giving revelation. We talk about a progressive re- revelation as God's progressively revealing more of what uh, he has for us. But the time uh, of coming you know, to the time of Christ's uh, death and resurrection and all that that would, uh, would mean for us. And so we see God using Paul in a, in a unique way to reveal even more of the mysteries concerning uh, God's plan that he would accomplish through Christ. And we see Paul speaking specifically about God's plan for the church, the redeemed of this, this age or this, this dispensation, this time that we're in. And in, in later in, in chapter 3 of, of this uh, letter, <clears throat> he'll talk about how that the Jews and Gentiles are to become one in this body. And that was uh, alluded to in the Old Testament. We see prophecy related to that, but that was certainly not uh, comprehended or understood. Uh, in Colossians 1, verse 27, he, he talks about the mystery that Christ in us, the hope of glory, that, that the Messiah would, would dwell in us through the person of the Holy Spirit. These are, uh, these are truths that uh, are being revealed. They're mysteries in the sense that they were previously un, unknown, not understood, but now brought into the light. So you can see the contrast. Today you have um, sects and groups that uh, you know, like the uh, the um, oh, blank. The the, the, the you know, I was thinking of this um, the group of um, Masons you know, with their order and all the the secrecy uh, that you're initiated into and that you're to, you're to keep that hidden. Well, the Lord in His <clears throat> revealing of mysteries makes it known to all those who will come and. Uh, to him in faith believing. And even as these truths are revealed and brought into the open, not everyone is able to understand them. Even, even as the written word is, is available to everyone, uh, the scripture tells us that um, uh, they remain veiled to those who are not believing. And so insight and wisdom into what God is, is saying is something he gives to us as his children. The Holy Spirit of God enables us to, to see and perceive and to believe these things that God has revealed. Well, here in these verses, Paul goes beyond the revelation concerning our redemption to reveal the mystery of God's plan for the universe. Let me, uh, I want to show you there the, the translation in the, the New American Standard Bible. It's a various slight uh, nuances there and meaning in some of these words. Uh, Verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will 
according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him, with a view to the administration suitable to the fullness of times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens, and things on the earth in him. That's it. That's the mystery of his will, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. That's God's eternal purpose that uh, he's revealing to us this mystery that was previously hidden is now made known to us. God has revealed it to us, the church, so that we can see this big picture view of what God is doing and, and what our part is in what God is doing. It's not really about us. <laughs> so often we, we, try to, we try to see everything according to how it affects me, what it does for me. And, and we be, we're by nature become this you know, self-focused in everything that we see and everything that we do. And God is showing us uh, things that are from His perspective so that we can live in this world, be able to perceive things that are happening around us in, in such a way that we are fitting into His plan. We are uh, being able to take those things into perspective of what God's doing in His bigger plan for us. In the net uh, translation, it's a uh, translation that's very helpful with some of the notes that... Uh, gives, and uh, it, it shows there's uh, three nuances of meaning in this word that's translated summing up. In the ESV, you see it's to unite. Um, and so it's a word that's uh, it's only used twice in the New Testament, and it's not used very often outside of that. And so there's a, uh, it's a big long word that incorporates these different nuances of meaning. Uh, and the, the, the net translation gives these three here. One, to sum up, uh, and it's used that way in the other place in, in um, Romans 13, verse 9, where it is said that the, there that the law is summed up in one command, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so you can see very clearly there in that context this idea that uh, it's, it's comprehended or summed up in, in this uh, statement. You have related to that the idea of, of bringing things together. Some, at least a couple of translations uh, have this idea of everything is brought together uh, or summed up in Christ. Another uh, nuance of meaning is the idea of, of renewal or to reunite. And in, in this uh, uh, translation, everything is seen to be uh, renewed. Or, I'm sorry, everything that was ruined by sin and the fall is renewed and um, brought back to God's uh, original purpose or, or, or reestablished under his authority, the new heaven and the new earth. So you can see that uh, nuance of meaning as well. And then the third is to head up. Uh, part, of, part of this word relates this idea of, of heading up. And so in that translation, Christ is in the fullness of time. He has been exalted. So to be appointed as the ruler or the head over all things in heaven and in earth. And uh, the net translation actually uh, translates it that way to, to head up all things in Christ. And, and they draw on the, uh, the context later there in verse 22 where he talks about he's put all things under his feet and gave him, to, gave him his head over all things to the church. And so 
we know this emphasis in, in Paul's writings on the headship of Christ, the lordship of Christ uh, over all things. And so uh, these three nuances of meaning is uh, brought together in a, a note from the Expositor's Bible Commentary, which says, when, it, when a column of figures were added up, the total or the sum was placed at the top or the head. Now, when I usually see sums, that they're usually put at the bottom, but evidently then they were put at the top. And so this word is used in, in relationship to this summing up of things and the, the sum of it at the top or at the head. And uh, the article here from the note from Expositor's Bible says, at the end of the age, everything will add up to Christ. This recognition of His preeminence will ensure that the original harmony of the universe is restored. And so you see those, those three nuances all brought together in that statement. And so we have this emphasis on the, the preeminence of Christ. And in, in Colossians 1 that uh, Joshua read for us, that was the, um, the focus of that pack, passage was the, the preeminence. He's, he's over everything, above everything uh, in the universe. Let's just read there again, beginning in verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, now, just think about that for a moment. Uh, he's what you can't see of the unseeable God. Or he's what you can see of the unseeable God. He's the image of the invisible God. Uh, it's qu quite a strong statement as to his deity. Uh, the firstborn of creation. doesn't mean he's the first created, as the Jehovah Witnesses will try to say. But that he is the first in the preeminent place of creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Uh, give you the next part of that. And, and He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent for in him all things uh, for, sorry for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile him to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross you see there the the focus on this cosmic nature of god's plan uh, it, this summing up of all things under the authority or headship of christ applies to more than just the church, more, more than just to us. It, it applies to everything, everything in the created universe. Uh, we see, again, this an even stronger emphasis on this in, in Philippians 2, verse 9 and 11. And in the context there, you remember in Philippians 2, he's talking about Christ coming in humility and in, in humbling himself uh, and being brought into this world as a man and the, the form of a man, the God-man, and that he died the death of the cross in obedience to the will of the Father. And verse uh, 9 picks up, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every Every knee will bow and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ 
is Lord. Uh, that uh, that it doesn't mean that every every person will become a believer, but every person will bow to the authority of the Lord. The Bible Knowledge Commentary uh, says really on this passage, in keeping with Christ's exaltation and high name, every knee will one day bow and acknowledge Him for who He really is. The extent of Christ's sovereign authority is in the threefold phrases in heaven and on earth and under the earth. No intelligent being in all God's universe will escape, whether angels and saints in heaven, or people living on the earth, or Satan, demons, and the unsaved in hell. All will bow, either willingly or they will be made to do so. All will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Well, let's go back to our text, and I want us to see um, uh, three phrases there uh, that Paul uses to describe this revelation. And I've given to you there the the Lexham uh, Bible translation, which is a very uh, literal and uh, good, uh, accurate translation as well. And uh, first of all, you'll notice that he says it is his, according to his purpose or his good pleasure. The Afrikaans, nase vel baha. So God was, his God was pleased, this plan pleased him that um, everything would come under the authority of Christ. Uh, notice also the phrase that it was set forth in Christ or planned or set forth in Christ. Uh, the Lexham Bible here says purposed in Christ, which is uh, very literally what, what, he's, what he's saying here, is that his, according to his good pleasure that he purposed in him. Uh, Expositor's Bible commentary says, From all eternity the Father cherished in his own mind a plan that was to be carried out in Christ. Well, a third thing that he says or a phrase related to this in verse 10, he says it's, for the administration of the fullness of times. There in the Lexham translation, the, the administration. And the ESV says a plan for the fullness of time. Uh, again, the NASB, an administration suitable to the fullness of times or the times. And the, many of you will remember the King James uh, translation, the dispensation of the fullness of times. And the word dispensation is the is the is the Latin meaning of this word, the dispensation. And it was the Latin Vulgate translation uh, gave that dispensation. And the word the word is uh, oikonomia, and you can hear in that our English word economy or uh, economics. And this word was used to refer to the management of a household. You think of a large household where there's a lord and there was a manager, and he was, he was called uh, a steward. That's what this, this word is related to, a stewardship or a, a steward. And, and so the word is used in, in both ways, both of the steward and of the lord who was over all uh, of the, the household. And when it was used in the Bible of a man... It's a stewardship. Paul speaks of his ministry as a stewardship uh, given to him by God. And when it's used of God, his plan, it's, it's translated an administration or a plan or a dispensation. So you can see the way in which it refers to God's administration of his plan or of his, his household, you could say, the, 
the plan that he has for history that's revealed to us in the Bible. And so dispensationalism, you've, you've heard of that terminology to refer to a, a system of organizing uh, the biblical revelation, dispensationalism, it just recognizes the different ways in which God is, governs his or administers his plan through history. Uh, you know, in, in, the, in the U.S., we've just had the, the presidential election. And, and if you listen to the U.S. news, that's all you, that's all you can talk about. Is this election or the coronavirus. And that's all that's happening in the whole world. <laughs> it's either one of those. And, uh, and of course, uh, President Trump is still contesting the election, but, uh, it, but it's inevitable that, that uh, Joe Biden has won. And he's already picking his uh, cabinet and, uh, and getting ready for his administration to take over. Uh, and so you see the realities of this idea of administration, uh, a dispensation of the new president. He's going to, some things are going to remain the same. Constitution's the same. Uh, you know, the things that are in the U.S. are still going to remain the same, but he's bringing in changes. It's a new dispensation. It's a new administration, a new economy of the way that things are going to be uh, focused on and, and done in, in the government. And so it, so it is with God's plan. And he speaks of uh, this summing up of all things under the headship of Christ as the administration of the fullness of times. And, and so we, we see in that this look at God's plan for the future. It's going to culminate in the future, this, this idea of the fullness of times. Now, some see in that, in that phrase, the fullness of times, that in the context of Christ's first coming and his death on the cross. And certainly Christ's death on the cross is the basis for his headship, for his authority, for his um, uh, redeeming us. Without, without the death, there is no redemption. There is no reconciling. But even, uh, even some covenantal theologians agree that Paul is looking to a future culmination of history. When God will restore under the headship of Christ all that was lost under the headship of Adam. And, and so this is looking beyond what's, what happened with Christ's coming to what will culminate in this summing up of all things under this headship of Christ. For us who, who believe in a, a literal thousand-year messianic kingdom on the earth, we see this as Paul, what Paul is referring to as the, the administration or the dispensation of the fullness of time. Tom, Tom Constable in his notes says, the, the dispensation in view is the millennial reign of Christ on earth, during which everything will be under his rule. Everyone and everything will acknowledge and respond to his authority then. Henry Ironside, some of you would know, you know of his preaching and writing. He writes, here succinctly in one brief verse, we have the summing up of the mystery of God's will. Everything is working to this one near at hand divine event towards, toward which the whole creation moves when God will head up everything in Christ. What you notice again in this verse, these verses, the emphasis on Christ. And in the Lexham translation, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the good pleasure that he purposed in him, in Christ. Although uh, 
Uh, in some translations, you'll see purposed in himself, but uh, context seems to fit better as a reference to what God would do in Christ in, in time. And so he purposed in him, in Christ, for the administration of the fullness of time to bring together all things in Christ, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth in him. Again, they're at the end, the in him. Again, being very repetitive here in this focus on Christ. Some of the translations leave out that last in him and, and, and only give it in the next verse because the next verse goes on to say, in whom? <laughs> so it's like, just doesn't make good for good grammar to say it so often. But Paul is making a point of this centrality of Christ in God's plan. Paul keeps repeating and, and emphasizing that God the Father is doing all these things in Christ and uh, truly history is His story of what God is accomplishing uh, in Christ. MacArthur writes, History is written and directed by its Creator who will see it through to the fulfillment of His own ultimate purpose, the summing up of all things in Christ. Well, according to God's plan, Jesus is not only the head of the church, but uh, he, is, he is preeminent. He has preeminence over all things. And everything will be summed up under his headship. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so the question for us this morning is, have we bowed to that lordship, to that headship of Christ, to that authority of Christ? And and I think most of us here this morning would say, yes, we have. We've put our faith and trust in Christ. He is our Lord and Savior. And yet, we, on a daily basis, need to ask ourselves, am I living in that reality? Am I, am I living today in the reality that He is my Lord? He, he is my Sovereign. And everything that I do, all the decisions I make, are subject to Him. We are stewards. We, we are accountable to Him. We give an answer to Him. And the good news is that God hasn't left us to our own strength. He's empowered us by the Spirit of God who dwells within us. He's given us the Word. And we have been given wisdom and insight to understand and to see and to be able to not only will to do, not only to have the desire to do, but the enablement to do His will. And what a blessing it is to be able to, uh, to serve God and to live for Him. And with all the difficulties and trials that we face in our life, it's easy to, to, to put our focus just on those things right in front of us and to, and to lose joy in the peace that God has for us. And so God is lifting our eyes above the circumstances around us. He's focused, he, he's, he's lifted us up to the mountaintops. And He's given us this divine, heavenly perspective of what God is doing. And He wants us to see that, that everything's moving according to God's plan and purpose. And we're part of that plan to bring honor and glory to God. And one day we'll be with Him, the millennial kingdom, and which, which enters into the eternal state. And we will be with the Lord, and He will be exalted. And there will be nothing that uh, is in rebellion against His will against His purpose. There'll be nothing that defiles in that eternal state, new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem that God talks about. We can't fathom what that's going to be like, but we can look forward to it, can't we? 
we can set our focus upon that, upon Christ and what He has planned for us. Thank You, Father, for these truths. Thank You for the blessing that You give us to, to know and have some insight into what You're doing. And only what You're doing now and have done, but where it's headed to. Thank You, Father, that uh, You have planned for us to be part of that, to have a part in it. May we today uh, join with You in that plan to exalt Christ. May He be exalted in our lives, Lord, in our words, in our actions. May others around us see Christ. Even in our weakness, Lord, may, may they see You as the Lord who empowers us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Mm-hmm.